The following resource is presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. Welcome to A Counselor's Point of View. Hi, my name is Steve Finney and I will be your host. Okay, we welcome our online listeners this morning. As you know, we've been doing a mini-series under our regular series. The regular series is called what? The 77 Truths for the Seven Areas of Life. And under each of those areas, we have seven areas of application. Does anyone want to take a wild guess at what the seven applications are? First one is repentance. Jane, you want to just read through the list? Repentance, identification, discipline, obedience, fruit of the Spirit, victory, condition. Okay. Under the social area is what we are now doing the mini-series of the spiritual gifts because that is what it's all about. And to kind of just gloss over that is not a good idea. So under the social area of life, we are spending extra time talking about the spiritual gifts. Thank you folks for sending me emails in regard to your questions on the spiritual gifts. I have so much fun. This week I had to take an entire day to respond to our podcasters. And that is exciting to me because there are a lot of people catching on to the indwelling life of Christ and that all of the spiritual gifts come under one gift. What is that gift? Exactly. Peter said, where is this gift? Peter said, where is this gift that you had promised us? And Jesus said, I must go so that it may come. So that's the exchange life moment for the disciples. Jesus physically ascended, and I'll bet you a dime to a dollar, even though I'm not a betting man, that they they passed each other in the air. And that gift came down upon the disciples, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and that was the true day of their great exchange. One gift Under that one gift, for you administrators, you'll associate with this quite uh, effectively. Under that one gift, you now have eight occupational gifts. Under those eight occupational gifts, some people say that there's 11 occupational gifts, and I'd probably support that too. But under those eight occupational gifts, you have... A long list of manifestations. Man, that's kind of obvious, right? So mana, and then festations, is kind of like a festering wound. It's, it's, it's something that's growing into something. So manifestation is a movement, a growing of the gift that is in you. The indwelling life of Jesus Christ is manifesting and a result of manifesting are these spiritual manifestations we're going to be talking about today. Let's read our opening statement. The manifestations are delivered by the sovereign hand 
of God. Someone please explain to the body this morning what sovereign means. Marcos, this is a great word for you to do your little word thing on because this is one of the richest words in the Bible. What does sovereign mean? Highest reign? Highest of the highest? Janie actually read it. If you look in the Hebrew of, of Isaiah out of the passage that she was referencing, you're going to find the Hebrew word for sovereignty. And in the English, it was put to as, who says that they are, I am. When God said to Moses, when Moses dared to ask God who he was, what his name was, God responded with, I am. The I am. So he was saying, I am the sovereign one. There is no other before me. So whatever your little I am's are, I am those. I am the I am. I'm the sovereign one of all of your miniature sovereign territories. In your mind, in your, in your land, whatever. I am. I'm the sovereign one. Okay? All Christians receive manifestations, not some of them, not willing ones, not open ones, not soft-hearted ones. Every indwelt Christian has been given manifestations because the indwelt Christian has the indwelling life of Christ. Whether you're obedient or not, the Holy Spirit is obedient to Jesus. Jesus is obedient to the Father, and the Father is obedient to his own mandates. So even in some cases, you will find God speaking through a donkey. The vessel oftentimes doesn't even matter. Getting the message across is what does matter. And when you have stubborn people around you and there's no one available for the spirit of the living God to use instantly, God will use a donkey. He'll use a tree. He'll use a rock. There are scriptures that talk about the rocks will speak out. God is constantly and consistently using material things around us because the people are so rebellious they won't open their mouths. So if the Spirit was moving and manifesting through them, they shut down the Holy Spirit. And it's what Romans chapter 1 says, For even though they knew God, they dishonored God by suppressing the truth. Truth means spirit. Truth means life. Truth means life. Truth means betrothed. You're shutting down your spouse. Marriage and truth and betrothment are all directly connected to the manifestations of the Spirit. I'll explain that more later. The more willing the Christian, the more manifestations there are for them. The less willing the believer, the more a manifestation passes on to another who is saying, Lord, here am I, send me. So if you can just stay with me on this. You have this group gathering and you're about to pray over someone who needs physical healing. And the normalized standard church is the pastor just invites whoever wants to come and join us in praying, pray 
for this person. 90% of the body of Christ is motiva- motivated by, by other people. So as they see other people moving forward to pray over someone, they just join. Because they don't want to be embarrassed. They don't want to you know, be looked at as, is there something wrong with me? It's kind of like if God gave you the unction not to take communion on a given communion. And the pride that's involved in, if this cup passes before me, what are other people going to think? So I'll just down this thing to keep the old reputation going. That communion was worthless to the living God. Because the unction was given to you is God didn't want you to take communion because you had unreconciled stuff going on in you. And we're not to take communion if we have unreconciliation in our hearts. Because communion is a reminder. It's a celebration of the reconciliation that Christ did. See, that's how much socialized pressure is upon us when it comes to manifestations. So there's all these people moving forward to pray. And I'm telling you, I've been in ministry long enough. I don't want anyone's hand on my shoulder who is an unbeliever. I don't want people praying and joining in just because of the guilt of of, of peer pressure. I want people praying who have been given an unction by the living God to pray. Do you see what I mean? That's my job as a leader is don't go putting your hand on me. It's like someone coming and saying, Lord has led me to pray over you and deliver you from demonic oppression. Well, you ain't touching me because I need to know that I know that you are indwelt and that hand that is touching me is going to bring about a manifestation of healing from the living God. There's even a scripture that says, Be careful who you lay hands upon. Don't be so quick to do that. We need to respond to the unctions of God through Christ, through the Holy Spirit, into who we're praying for. Save your prayers if you're not there in your faith. Just save them. Take them to your prayer closets and wore it out with God because public prayers, public confessions, public ministry has to be centered and focused on a manifestation of the Spirit of God. It just has to. In churches nowadays, that is not what we do. We respond more to being seen that we're praying have others see our gift work. To have people pop up in congregation saying, I've got a prophecy for Jim Bob. Really? Tell me privately because I don't want it spoken. Because I need to discern that out. Well, that's stifling the Holy Spirit in a, in a group where God's moving. No, God's a God of order. And they better, because if a public thing is done like that, you better make sure you're sustained when the leadership discerns you out publicly. Well, if you take that person on, not only will they not come back, they're actually feeling stifled because they got some whole world view going on just between them and life. They're not considering the management and the order of God publicly. 
I know I just stepped on a few toes with some of our African guys, but that's okay because you need to have more order in your manifestations. When Abby and I were in Uganda, we were asked to speak at, do our exchange live conference at a particular church. It was a very large African church. And we were waiting for our moment to minister through the message and the pastor that was in charge released the entire body in this in this uh, building, open air building, to manifest. My daughter, her story is horrific. She was stuck in the middle of this mass of people. I was at the podium behind the pastor. Pastor was releasing all these people to manifest. And Abby was in the middle of this mass of people. And this release that took place went well beyond the order of God. And there were demonic manifestations going on everywhere. I'm sitting back there as the speaker waiting until the pastor's done with his thing with manifestations. And the Lord reveals to me, this is evil. Stop it now. Now, I'm an invited speaker. I have no authority over this church. The pastor, at this point, had thrown himself back on the wall, and I'm to his right watching this whole thing, and he's banging his head on the building. Just like that, over and over and over. And there were people in front of me thrashing around on the floor. It was an unbelievably ungodly sight, filled with a sense of evil. And I can see the look in my daughter's eye like, deliver me from this. She couldn't get out of this mass. And now I've got this unction, you stop this now. And so, this is a critical moment of whether I'm going to listen. You see, there wasn't anyone available at the moment who would listen to the Lord because they were caught up in their manifestations. So the Lord takes the willing vessel that knows something's not right here and gives the unction. So I turned and I looked at the pastor and I said, this must stop now. He is in a trance. Can't reach him. Touched him, shook him, he's in a trance. Just like that. So I stood at the pulpit, the mic is on, and I said, I command all of you in the name of Jesus Christ to cease now these manifestations. The whole auditorium went silent. People started coming out of their zone except for the Dominex in front of the podium. Thrashing around, foam out of the mouth, typical thing you would hear about someone who was possessed. We dealt with those people instantly. I turned to the pastor and I said, This is not God. God is a God of order. The pastor actually received it. We gave the first message of Godship. And the order of God started producing new life. It's an unbelievable testimony. Talk to Abby about her experience in it. Being there, in the middle of all of it, and feeling paralyzed, and not being able to move. 
You see, in many countries, there are manifestations they have signed the name of Jesus Christ to, and Satan is such a replicator, he can make things look like God so close, but they're off. So you African guys, or India, wherever else you're listening from, where you like these kind of manifestations in your group, I challenge you to send me that email so I can have a dialogue with you because I want to challenge you if you're really hearing the voice of God or someone else. This is why it appears that God is picking favorites. God is not picking favorite vessels. He simply is picking willing vessels. God is interested in getting his word done. And in general, manifestations are given by the moment for the ministry moment. Evan, for example, obviously having a little unction to pray. That prayer is richer, deeper, more innocent because he is a child. He has the ear of God in a way that a lot of us don't have the ear of God. Because we do tend to manipulate God in our prayers. We change the doctrines of God by the way we pray. You want to hear someone's doctrines? Listen to the way that they pray. They start ordering God around like he's some kind of Vegas slot machine. You better have your warning signs up. Because he's the I am. And he's not to be told what to do. We're to be told to receive what he wants us to do. That is not the movement that is in the church today. Wisdom from the Hebrew. Wisdom in good sense. Skillful. Wisdom. uh, Wisely. Wit. To have a spiritual thought of the knowledge of God. To have the mind of Christ. See, what that means is that there's something more powerful since my thoughts are not his thoughts, his thoughts are not my thoughts. By having the indwelling mind of Christ in me, there now is a war of wisdom. Demonic wisdom or righteous wisdom. Demonic wisdom is something I want us to take a look at. So I need to have someone look up James chapter 3, and I believe it picks up right around 13. So we're looking at James chapter 3, verse 13. Anyone who feels led to read that out? Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior his deeds and the gentleness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. This wisdom is not that which comes from above, but is earthly, natural, divine. Okay, so what kind of wisdom is being described to us? Huh? Okay, demonic wisdom, and what are the two key manifestations in the mind that produce demonic wisdom? Jealousy and ambition. Jealousy and selfish ambition. 
Listen very carefully to people who are praying around you. If they're ordering God like he is some kind of fourth grader, they are changing the doctrines of God to meet their standard. Their Godship is showing up in their prayers. They have selfish ambition in their hearts, which will result in demonic wisdom. Satan has wisdom. It is wit of a kingdom. It's quickness. It's cleverness. It's craftiness of a kingdom. It's the manifestation of a mind. And it's being confessed right here, the kind of mind that that person is yielded to. Right here. Anyone who's argumentative, anyone who's trying to turn the table of leaders, anyone who's trying to change the mind that possibly could be the mind of Christ coming through that leader is of demonic wisdom. I can pick it out so fast it's ridiculous. You see, when a leader is, is saying stuff to me, I need to be silent. And I need to make sure that I am hearing Christ in that leader. Do you understand that? And that takes silence. That takes submission to the inward life and mind of Christ in you. Then you can discern it out. Then you appeal back with a question if you're wondering about something they're saying. So it's not blind faith, it's active faith. And demonic wisdom involves selfish ambition. It's a confession of given to us by God to discern out the two kinds of wisdom. Someone please read the passage that describes godly wisdom, which is right after the demonic passage. But the wisdom from above is first pure, impeachable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering, without hypocrisy, and the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by all those who Someone please tell me what fruit of death is. Both wisdom, types of wisdom, have fruit. Fruit unto death is basically a result. It may taste good because I believe that's what Eve said. For she looked upon it and saw that it was good or desirous. You see, that was her link to fruit unto death for Satan. So fruit unto death looks good, sounds reasonable, sounds logical, sounds like it, it works, but it's got selfish ambition in it. The way you find out if someone is selfish in ambition is you poke them. You provoke them in respects of seeing how they handle the stresses of life. And if you don't get what Janie just read, a pure... Uh, gentle, peaceful, you know, you don't get all of that fruit with being under a persecuted moment. There's proof being revealed to you, the kind of wisdom you're used to tapping into. And you're just not thinking it through. 
There are only two kinds of wisdom. You don't get your own. Self-ish ambition is demonic. There's no third world. There's no opinion, your opinion on a worldview. It is a demonic worldview or a Christ as life worldview. Those are the only two worldviews you get to be a part of. And there's a church out here called the body of Christ that has turned into this selfish, ambitious church of telling God what to do. Christ needs to redeem us, forgive us, transform us from those lifestyles, and then be presented before his Father as pure, righteous, and holy, and chosen, and beloved. Through Christ. Christ does not blend a modern term or label with what is right. That alone is Godship. We have turned modern things and signed Jesus Christ's name to him like we are Jesus Christ. And the church is buying into these doctrinal demon type of thinking into the church. So we have to ask the question, what kind of manifestations are really happening in your little tent services? What kind of manifestations are going on in your little buildings? What kind of manifestations are going on in your crusades? You really got to ask yourself that question. So now let's take this and look at what it looks like to have wisdom not yielded through Christ Jesus. The misuse of the word wisdom. To function with your own mind, tap demonic wisdom, to be consumed with earthly education or knowledge, to have proof before belief. Do you know what the educational world is for? To give you proof to form your beliefs. That's what it's for. To have a teacher stand up there and say, I'm going to give you a set of beliefs that you're paying for so that I can transform your mind to be thinking like what I'm about to present to you in education. So that you can leave here with the mindset I put in your mind. That is right out of the garden. You see, what Satan wanted to present to Eve was this. This is real simple. God had already written out in the tablet of Eve's heart what the doctrines of wisdom were to bless her with. It was done. She didn't have to try. She didn't have to go get a degree about it. She didn't have to go to cemetery, seminary. She didn't have to go to any of these places to advance her knowledge of the holy. For the word of God was put in her upon her formation as Eve. Now Satan knew that. He knew that the truth was in her. So he twisted things just a little bit and turned it into knowledge. Tree of what? Knowledge. Knowledge. How come you don't hear preachers today calling that the tree of education? Because they'd have to step down from the pulpit, as my Nigerian pastor has said to me. 
they'd have to step down from the pulpit because this gentleman has done his research on America as an African preacher and he's and he says that over 60% of your pastors can't pastor unless they have a degree from the institution that matches their denomination. I put that in my book this week. Because he is right on. He said the majority of your counselors can't counsel people unless they've been certified by the institution of the state that gives them permission to counsel. And even if they do, they can't use the Bible because that is a break of religious rights. Satan is telling our church what to do through certification, through education. And he knew that. He had to turn her from the tree of life to exchange for the tree of education. So that a few thousand years down the road, a bunch of God's people are going to think education equals transformation. Liar, liar, pants on fire, Satan, because education doesn't do anything but produces self-righteous works that insults the living God. Education says it is demonic wisdom, wisdom of men that produces change in the church. Someone please turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And please remind us of what Paul said about this demonic education. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Paul said, and when I... Someone read it out. And when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Keep going. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. That your faith may not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So, New American says? Yet we do speak wisdom among those who are mature. A wisdom, however, not of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are passing away. Okay. So, this wisdom that is of the, these mature men of this earth, Paul is clearly showing us the difference between the two. Paul was raised with demonic wisdom. He was one of the brightest, most advanced, educated people on the face of the earth. He was the chief Pharisee. Now he's saying he's been dumbed down to the point that he stands before people fearful and trembling. He's not a persuasive words anymore. He doesn't have a long vocabulary. He's been dumbed down to the basics of life to be able to say to you and I today, there's two wisdoms. There's the wisdom of man that the majority are simply afraid to say it's demonic. Then there's a different kind of wisdom And what does the next verse say? But we speak God's wisdom in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God predestined before the ages to our glory. Okay. 
This mysterious, this hidden wisdom is hidden in Christ inside of us. So it's going to take being able to tap the inward life of Jesus Christ to get at this mystery, to get at this wisdom, to have it become spiritual thoughts, to become spiritual words, to literally transform someone's life. A story I wrote about in my book this week, which was extremely painful for me to walk through because it was one of our family's most painful memories in our entire ministry life, and that is... I had a young man in my office who came for discipleship. He sat down and he was not there longer than five minutes. And the Lord God gave me a word of knowledge. Those of you who are used to functioning in word of knowledge know exactly what it feels like. You know what you're hearing is from God. And God said to me in my mind through a word of knowledge, which is a manifestation, said the word Murder. And so I didn't know what the details were. I just simply threw it out there and said, Please tell me about the murder. Now I'd assumed, since this young man was a missionary, grew up on the mission field, he had seen a murder somewhere on his mission experiences. And he looks at me and says, you don't think I did it, do you? Well, I thought, I'm going to just play into this because I have no clue what we're talking about. And I said, no. I don't necessarily think you did it. And then within moments, it all rolled out that his wife murdered my best friend. Who I co-pastored a church like this with. At gunpoint. That is a manifestation of a word of knowledge of the thoughts of God. It unfolded a year long, absolutely year long, distressing time where we ended up on the front page of Phoenix newspaper to all the way to church rejection that Jane and I uh, are reminded of often today. One word from God's mouth put inside this mind, not only got it confessed out on the table that day, but freed the murderer. Our family is closer to the murderer today than we are to the family That is a manifestation of God to bring healing. Not to those who are proud and tried to cover it up, but to the one who wanted to be set free, but just couldn't step out to confess it. Do you understand what we're talking about here? This is is beyond, this is a mystery beyond the human logic and understanding. Knowledge. Hebrew. To behold intimacy, to have relations, to reproduce, to know, to be aware, knowing, that is, knowledge, what we are used to referring to as knowledge of the sciences, to God, it is a knowledge of the intimacy of God. If you misuse knowledge, 
you have to fight intimacy, refuse relationships, to know, to know to do, to depend upon the study of the sciences, wisdom of man, which is demonic. Satan is a god of the external. That's all he has is the sciences. And to understand that the majority of the institutions in the Christian world today are based on the sciences. Liberal arts is originally from the study of the sciences. And I don't want to embarrass people, but I can tell you even where the roots of the study of sciences came from. We bought into that line, hook, and sinker, and now the focus of training up young people in the church today is to get them degree in the basic sciences of the external world. Not internal world. The external world. What are one of the sciences that has affected human behavior more than anything else in life? Psychology. Someone help me understand the history of psychology, where that exactly came from? Give you a little clue. He was bisexual. With a heavy emphasis on homosexuality. Freud. Freud came up with a term that seemed to spread like wildfire through the universities in America that slowly but for surely got turned instead of psychoanalysis, which is depicting the details of the mind, psyche, to becoming a field of psychology. Under that, they came up with what is classified as personality types. Phlegmatic was a person who had a lot of phlegm. I'm not, I'm not lying to you. Google it. All these personality traits that were initially part of this psychology movement was pure on demonic. What you see is what is, is what the sciences taught. Well, there was no field of study available to the church on helping others get set free from psychological labels, schizophrenia, which is now bipolarism, or manic depression, or depression. All these psychobabble words that came together came out of this movement that God was not a part of. Now you cannot, you cannot attend an institution, Christian institution, that does not have Christian psychology. I can walk into really any of those institutions and within 15 minutes to a half hour completely piece down their model and prove that it isn't God. What will that do? That will separate the mysterious Christians who depend on an inward dwelling life of Christ from those who think through and have been trained to be thinkers of what is true. We have a sick church. There's no psychological solutions 
for our disturbed body members today. There's only a spiritual healing available. So the closer we get to the end times, I can guarantee you Pergamum is going to win. What is Pergamum? But do you remember any details what Pergamum was known for? It was the throne of Satan. It's number one. It was the very first university outside of the School of Alexander. School of Alexander was put together by the Muslims. Our two primary scripture translations come from two primary arenas, one being the School of Alexandra and another being the Vatican. We as Christians have got permission from these two institutions to analyze these scriptures to come up with the translations we have today. Then there was Pergamum. You had the rod of Moses. This is carved on a rock in Pergamum with two snakes going around it pointing at the rod of Moses. What symbol is that called? It's the medical symbol. People don't think that through. It's kind of obvious. You just look at it and go, why are there two snakes and a staff? Where does that story come from again exactly? Pharaoh, who was Satan, was sitting there and he called his magi out, his magicians, and they threw their snake on the floor. There were two of them and they were roaming around about to see whom they may devour. And Moses is standing there with his rod. He lays the rod down. What's the rest of the story? Moses' rod, snake, devoured the other two snakes. Came back into the staff of God going, Good trick, Satan. I'm above it. Well, the seal that they wanted in Pergamum, Satan wanted in Pergamum is, No, the two snakes have control over the rod laws of Moses. Thus, Pergamum became the first university for healing. And that's where the medical symbol comes from. But I can take you back into the actual church history of those church early churches to show you how Satan got in there to develop a, an addiction to the sciences. And it really doesn't take anyone who's too aware or alert. You could be kind of partly aware of your environment and hear a message like this and open your eyes and actually see what the sciences have done to our church. So now the strange ones are the mysterious ones like Paul, who says, I've been dumbed down. I'm not interested in your, your universities anymore. I'm not inter- interested in your, your institutions of man. I'm not interested in debating your mature men. For I determined to know nothing but Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And to have the Spirit of the living God searching the minds of the person you are ministering to, freely, read the passage, freely giving to us that knowledge of God's thoughts about that person through spiritual thoughts and spiritual words. Therefore, you speak right into someone's life and go, tell me about murder. And you yourself could be clueless. 
I get it all the time. God will give these manifestations to people that openly say, here am I, send me. I'll be available. Then there's others that go, no, that's too mysterious. That's a little weird. I'm not sure I want to go there. So they suppress the truth, even though they know God. And once they suppress it, something very interesting happens. They act like God. Their own knowledge of what they've learned, what they've studied, what they've processed. And they start saying things back to me. Have you ever read the book on blah, 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 by theologian blah, blah, blah? What I'm actually saying is the knowledge of God in Christ's mind that is inside the believer is stuff we need to be making note about. In you, in me, in another person, whatever. Not the sciences of what they believe. Does that make sense? Good, because we're going to stop now. Our online listeners, I want you to know we're actually going to cover these two manifestation gifts next week. Because there's so many details about these two particular manifestations, it is absolutely everywhere around you. So we're going to take some quality time and breaking them down. So next week when you join us, we will cover those particular manifestations. This resource has been presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. For more information about our ministries, visit us online at iomamerica.org. That's iomamerica.org.